Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoofy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie. Your friendly, your friendly neighborhood queers. Are we doing that bad of an episode where your cat has to jump ship, miss? So my cat, the Rocky, is uh, he's just having a day. He's got a lot of feelings and uh, he normally does. Mm. But now he's just he goes from window to window just screaming. And uh, my desk that I'm sitting at is between two windows. So there's been a lot of back and forth action. And he knocked over my light with my headphones and like a few other things and then just casually walked away. Yeah. And that's how we're starting off this episode. And that's how this we're starting off this episode. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Episode 91. I want to live in America. Everything's free in America. Rita Moreno is my Moreno. Amazing. She's in fast and furious now too. Uh, That's right. She's mama Toretto. Oh, I have Mama Toretto. She's Mama Toretto <laughs> in the Fast and Furious franchise. She's family. She's family. Your family. Film composer extraordinaire, John Williams, 91. Oh. Amazing. Star Wars. So John Jurassic Williams. Park. Ever heard of them? Ever <laughs> heard of them? So like every movie from. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fashion Man. Valentino Garavani, 91, <laughs> and very tan. And his oh. leather skin. He's self-pursing. Yeah, he is self-pursing. Donatella Versace is also <laughs> self-pursing. There's something about these like self-pers- mid-century Italian fashion people. It gives mm-hmm. a new meaning become- to the phrase pursing of one's lips. In the picture that I'm looking at of Valentino Garavani, he's pursing his lips, and it's leather all the way down. Leather, baby. And uh, finally, on a bit of a bummer, uh, Jenny Craig, also 91. Uh, she was a real person? I had no idea. Jenny she Craig, sure real, person, a real person, really fucked up a lot of people's Still continuing sure ha- her. This day. I thought she was made up like Barbie. Wow. Okay, so she's nope. a just... Okay. Jenny, Jenny Craig, real 80. person, really 91. Wow. That that's a list. It was a list. That was a list of people that were age 91. No, some of them were absolute legends. Yes. Some were legends. Rita Moreno, I yeah. was shocked to see that she's 91. She looks fabulous. Is she's fabulous. fabulous. I'm never going to get timeless. the song out of my head. And to be in America. I know. And so like, that's a good way to start off this episode. Mm-hmm. Before 
we get into our weekends, I just want to say I'm so angry for our true crime story this week. Oh, gosh. You have been been texting us. us and warning us that we are going to become furious. Yes. All right. I got it. I got a well of anger. I'm I'm bringing up the bucket. I'm okay. ready. I've been doing my breathing exercises for my I blood brushy. So I'm going to get mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we do that, Kevin. Yeah. How was your weekend before oh, you how was us all my, out? My weekend? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go first. Yeah. My weekend was good. I had a lovely weekend. It was one of our friends' birthdays. We went to a... Korean barbecue restaurant. There's karaoke upstairs. So we partook in that and I sang a lot. Yay! What'd you sing? What are your karaoke go-tos? Oh, well, I have a a list of karaoke songs for those reasons. Do you? Yeah, you never know when you'll be in karaoke and then (laughs) you're suddenly like, oh my God, what song am I going to sing? So yeah, I have a little bit one. Oh, I what I chose this time, I chose Love Fool by the Cranberries. Good oh, one. that was a good one. I love that song. Wait, the Cranberries, the Cardigans. The Cardigans. I'm sorry. Yeah, Thank you. The yeah. Cardigans. But yeah, that that's a great song to sing and everyone knows it and everyone sings along. So that's I had a good, a good time one. with that. We had good good food and good celebrations. I cannot complain. Miss, how totally. was your weekend? Oh, it was fine. I gave myself a little haircut, a little trim on Friday that I'm loving because I have been missing having curly hair that was stolen from me from time and hormones. But uh, I cut my hair and it's actually curling on its own a little bit. So I'm pleased. And then today I cleaned the front of my apartment, um, the front room's and then I got tired and took a shower. So the back rooms are not going to get cleaned. <laughs> Look, that's progress. We're looking for progress, not perfection. And I love Amen. the hair. She's a, she's a shag. She's a wolf cut. She she's is. A, she's uh-huh. a little bit of a shag. It's not quite a shag because there's not like a drop off point. It's angled all the way down. And I have like short right. layers all the way through long layers. But it's very, very similar uh, to that. I really, really wanted a mullet. But I just can't do it. I can't. No, you couldn't I, do it. I, I wrestle I, I with think myself it would actually, on that all the time. I think it would actually look okay. And it would certainly make me look real gay. But I just couldn't do it. Because, like, I don't know. I like having hair around my face to hide my big face. <laughs> you have a lovely face. You have I a know. lovely face. It's But broad. I would also okay. do that if I had the ability. So, yeah. So we'll see. The the layers is my introduction to the shag mullet lifestyle. We'll see how far I can go. Edie, oh, how was your weekend? What, what haven't I done? Well, earlier this week, Uncle Edie got a new tattoo. Yeah, you yeah. did. Um, Looks great. And it's pretty sick. It is a big old serpent Mm-hmm. With some pomegranates around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it. so it is. It is the most, possibly the most ex-Catholic tattoo that I could have gotten. Love it. Or Love you it. could lie and tell them that it's the most Catholic tattoo that you could have gotten. It's like, oh yeah, I got it. Like it's a, <laughs> it's a bad Jesus. thing. Oh, bad. 
I love Jesus, Bad but news. I got this to protect me. But I got pomegranates because there are, you know, there's different schools of thought about what fruit people were really referring to. How dare you? It should be an American apple. <laughs> it should a be red a delicious. red delicious. Red delicious, <laughs> mealy ass apple. The worst apple. The worst red the worst. apple. Can you imagine if it was an apple and you Ugh. fucking and it was, risk and you it all bro- for a red delicious? A red delicious. Just a, a non-crisp, non-juicy Banished apple. from the garden for a red fucking delicious? Good Lord. No, I cannot. Period. No. It's a this? sick tat. It is, it is a sick tat. tat. You can uh, check it out on my Instagram at Edie underscore fake name. Yeah. Follow me, perverts. Yeah. <laughs> is that what we're calling our listeners now? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Call to action for perverts. Perverts only. <laughs> I have feet on Maine, so. I love it. You do. <laughs> I do. You're a honey badger. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I'm glad we all have pretty good weekends. Yeah, you ready to bum us the fuck out? I kind of... I'm, I, it has to be said, yes. I yes. was just going to say, I feel like Make you need to get it us out. us mad. Ugh. Make me mad. I've got I am energy for Before you. we do, you can find Edie at Edie underscore fake name. You can find us at Creepy Inquiries Pod on Instagram. Follow so, us, perverts. Follow us, <laughs> perverts. I don't know. <laughs> all right all right <laughs> forcing a catchphrase <laughs> Folks, all right Cap, take us you away. know how much we three co-hosts love our city of baltimore oh we love it city that reads <laughs> oh, city that awesome. reads it's the greatest city in america the greatest city in america reads. it's a place that we just want nothing but the best for its residents the yeah. city fucking rules. We have excellent really restaurants, histories. We have amazing okay. artists of all genres. You name it. We have it here. Which is why it's such a bummer that for the entirety of at least our three decades on Earth, us three, we've had to endure an almost constant flow of corruption from Baltimore's elected officials and That's the city's right. police force. Yeah, it's classic. Classic. Practically I covered felonious former Mary Catherine Pugh and her ridiculous Healthy Holly scandal for episode 59. <laughs> oh, Healthy Holly. Please go listen to Please that. Please buy listeners. us a Healthy Holly so book. That story is simply the snowflake on top of an iceberg of stories that Baltimore has with corruption. Um, it's kind of like what we're known for, sort of. Really it's is. It's like us, it's Philly, it's Chicago, yeah. uh-huh. it's... Like kind of everywhere. I mean, kind it of is everywhere. absolutely, like, yeah. but sometimes also very much Baltimore. Sometimes we we could go the we go the extra mile. <laughs> uh huh. We we do above and beyond. That's right. The call of duty, we'll say. <laughs> but yeah, my true crime story today extrapolates some of the unsavory ways Baltimore's police have conducted themselves by way of one family. Oh, no, I'm already I know, I know. And the story is from 2007. And honestly, not much has changed, I have to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. But we'll be starting with the worst parts of the story, and then we will work our way up. Okay? And there is a bit of a happy ending, but just a bit of one. Just a bit. 
a little silver lining maybe. Okay, so you're promising us a little bit. Okay, that's a good. Little. It's good. Mm-hmm, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We got to temper our expectations. No, I appreciate okay. that. As we were saying earlier, I had to text Miss and Edie this week as I was doing the research. Like Wednesday, I was, guys. <laughs> Wednesday. I was getting so angry and so fired up. I just couldn't hold it in. <laughs> Let it out, boo. Here we I are. I am. In March 2007, seven-year-old Gerard Mungo Jr. was waiting outside his mom's house for his dad to pick him up to take him out dirt biking. He had just turned seven a few weeks prior, and that was his birthday present from his parents, was his new dirt bike. He had his cool helmet and his gloves on, and he was all excited to go have fun with his dad. Mm. Okay, the fucking worst part of the story. All right, here we go, here we go. I'm just going to blurt it out. Okay. Seven-year-old Gerard Jr. was arrested by Baltimore City Police. He was taken from his home in handcuffs, out of his mother's arms, put into a patrol car, fingerprinted, took a mugshot of the child. Seven years old. He was chained to a wooden bench for no less than 30 minutes or up to two hours, depending on which news source. And then he was finally driven to the juvenile detention center. He was released back to his parents hours later. There were no charges that were filed against him. And his crime, you may ask? I, I did. did. Did he rob a bank? Did 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 he help kidnap a politician? Is it? Uh, did he hack into a, the elementary school's database? No. The real answer was he was sitting on his new child-sized dirt bike on the sidewalk while he was waiting for his dad. Yep. That's it. They arrested him. Yes. They arrested him. And I cannot begin to imagine the effect. I can't. I can't. That, that would have on him. Well, it's you're not I supposed to understand. be on the sidewalk. And also, how'd you get that nice bike, little black kid? Uh huh. Uh huh. Seven years old, handcuffed. Seven. Where was his mother? Just inside? Oh, I, I, yep. We're well, about to get into it. It is. Just I am literally, horrifying. I know I shouldn't be, but like I'm flabbergasted. Just I know. existing as a poor child, black child, mm-hmm. I mean, marginalized a child, We're publicly existing as a marginalized child, especially with an item that the mm-hmm. law enforcement feels that you should not have it's is so dangerous. Oh, it is. Yes, everything unfolds when Officer Charles Grimes, and this is where I'm going to put in storm clouds right here. (laughs) Charles Grimes spotted the young boy. Grimes testified at the eventual civil suit brought against BPD. Oh, for what? Um, I don't even know. Yeah. Yes, we'll find out later. Grimes was on patrol. He saw a man, a full-grown adult on a full dirt bike, riding through the streets. And he somehow evades the cop itself. When Grimes turns the corner... You're fucking kidding me. No, he comes across a little kid. A seven-year-old matched the description? No, it was more of like an opportunity to be like, oh, well, I didn't catch this guy. Like, here's this dirt bike here 
I'll just deal with this instead. Like, like this dirtbag's probably stolen? That's what he testified to? He testified that when he, yeah, um, when he turned the corner. I, the, the adult man on a dirt bike got away from me, so I saw a little kid, and I arrested yeah. him instead? He saw him with the engine allegedly idling. No way to prove that. Is the problem where he that he's on the sidewalk? I think having a dirt bike, and especially with it, you're not, yeah, you're not supposed oh. to have these kinds of like motorized dirt bikes are very popular in Baltimore, like dirt bikes, yeah. ATVs, stuff like that. Too. There's a lot of like vehicle culture mm-hmm. in sure. Baltimore with like motorcycles, dirt bikes, There's ATVs, a whole movie stuff that they like made. that. Oh, I know. I've seen yes, it. Yes, there I'm is. Just saying... And it's a lot of that stuff you're not super supposed just... to have mm-hmm. um, or super not supposed to have on the sidewalk or maybe you're not supposed to have at a certain ages or whatever, but to arrest a child is, is ludicrous. ludicrous I know under these. So facts. he is Gerard jr. His father's Gerard senior. His mother is Lakeisha Dinkins. He also has a half brother. Lakeisha had a uh, son from a previous marriage. His name is Devon. He shows up in a cameo in this story who is also affected by the practices of BPD, the entire family, each one of them individually has a part of the story that I will be telling. And they were faced with their own, <laughs> their own arrest from Baltimore city police. And oh it started with Gerard. God. As it rela- is it, as it relates to this case, the moms was, well, I believe that. Yeah. Oh, I, I believe the mom. Mm-hmm. I would have flipped the fuck out. If this, that's if, what she like, started trying- doing. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think about this in the only way mm-hmm. I can because I don't have kids, but I have a nephew who's about to turn nine next month and not my child, but I would lose my fucking mind. Me too. I would go feral if this was happening in front of me. Absolutely. You bend bars for that kind of thing. Yeah. You could pick up bars I have for that. chills thinking about it. <laughs> I was Jesus so fucking, fucking angry. Yeah, and that's when Lakeisha enters the story. Grimes at the civil suit testified that he walked up to the boy, put his foot behind the wheel, and asked him to climb off. He said that the boy hopped off without incidents, and Grimes turned off the ignition. His mama, Lakeisha, claims that the engine was not on, and he was pulled off the bike by his collar. But then you also have to remember, too, the oh the um, constantly simmering low-level danger that no, that's, any I was, you're right. interaction yep. with law enforcement yep. comes with, particularly if you're in a marginalized group. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's mm-hmm. fair. So you're pissed as fuck, but you're also hyper-aware that it could go left right. very, it sounds very quickly. sounds like it does. Yep. At the scene currently, there's just Officer Grimes there. From Lakeisha's testimony, she says that he didn't give his badge and ID number to her when she asked. And when he didn't do that, she wanted to have a supervisor. Yeah. Between the time that a supervisor arrived, the cop called Detective Donald Hayes. Hayes was a neighborhood services officer leading an initiative to confiscate dirt bikes, which is why he was called. He wanted him to come and pound the bike. 
definitely bring in so the dirt bike brigade on this so fucking like, kid. What we need is more cops on the scene. Bring in the cops, man. This kid so is like dangerous. Possessing the dirt bike was the the crime. Uh, you can have a dirt bike, but I guess since it was on allegedly what, city, on. allegedly it was either allegedly on or it was on city property. I don't know, but oh, you because it was on the sidewalk. Yeah, there's that's some my kind guess. of regulations around dirt bikes. There's definitely yeah. regulations. Yeah, at the at the time, and I think still, I don't know particularly what they are, but there's like mm-hmm. cops flip shit about these dirt bikes uh-huh. in Baltimore. And so the sergeant arrives, the supervisor. His name is Sergeant William Colburn. And he arrives and he walks into the house, which is where uh, Gerard ran into to be with his mom. He was crying. And it basically, Colburn doesn't do what she wanted him to be there for. He wasn't there to provide the better police protocols. He was... Right. He's not he was, here for an explanation of why your seven-year-old's being arrested. Right. He he took, he started, it feels like a Dr. Phil kind of moment where he starts talking to the kid, to Gerard, about what is do right and wrong. Do not speak to that child. You do not have permission to speak to him. Mm. Speak to me. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really, I mean, it's always. Oh my God, I hate this. It's always shitty when you, when the, a member of the public expects like, yeah, can I speak to your supervisor as if that is going to be in a law enforcement context, a cooler head mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. where I feel like in practice, it tends to be, you know, like bring in your supervisor to uh, begin the cover up of what is happening here or the yeah. justification or the justification of what's happening here. Exactly. This whole thin blue line thing is a motherfucker it true (laughs) yeah yes i think there are three officers now on the scene there's hayes there's colburn and for seven-year-old officer hayes and colburn debated whether it was legal to arrest a seven-year-old so Colburn then testified then just end it there just end it there give his parents a citation and get the fuck out you simply don't have to do it well, he testified that he called a city prosecutor to ask, and without providing details of the case, whether kind of such a thing was allowed, I guess, arresting a seven-year-old, it was decided that it was legal, so Colburn ordered Hayes to make the arrest. By this time, Gerard Jr. had retreated to his bedroom, crying, did not want to be taken away by cops or from his mom. Oh, he, God. Um, Officer Hayes walks upstairs, and his then blue line awfulness testified that he handcuffed the child quote for my safety as well as Mr. Mungo's safety. <laughs> They're in, in fear of a, well, this is also very classic because yeah. there are studies that you can look up about implicit bias related studies. Uh, when this is explicit white bias. people, this is explicit bias, but when white people look at, um, when some white people, I guess, look mm. at black children, they see those children as older than they are. Yes, that is true. That's true. And they believe they are inherently more violent. Right. So that yeah. play 
exactly all of those things coming together would be the shittiest justification ever for mm-hmm. hands cuffing a seven-year-old child for having a Nothing. dirt bike and then going up and crying in his bedroom. Yeah. Like a you baby because he's essentially kid. a baby. Because he's a baby. Because he's a little kid. And y'all, you listeners, anyone, hold on to whatever you can to brace yourself because here's Colburn's quote about why he had the kid arrested. Quote, I spoke with the child about the law regarding dirt bikes and the boy understood what he did was wrong. Once I determined that he knew it was wrong and he did it anyway, I thought the best option was to see if the juvenile justice system could offer him some guidance. Fuck that. Absolutely (sighs) fuck that. Instead of, I had like a conversation with this kid about what's safe and what's not safe yeah and end of story we, we all went we along our days and we made an agreement that he wouldn't do that anymore and then i said goodbye that is why i texted you as soon as i read that quote i was like <laughs> yeah. cannot handle well, i determined this. that this seven-year-old child had consciousness of guilt vis-a-vis this he dirt bike a child and so i deemed it appropriate to put metal handcuffs on him and bring him in for booking Fuck off. Fuck, Fuck off. all the way off. Shit you manipulated doesn't... a child into admitting that he knew something was wrong, whether or not he knew it was wrong because you yeah. were an adult, because you have authority, and because he was scared of you. Okay? Uh-huh. That yep. child was sitting out there with the permission of his fucking parents. Whew, yeah, shit like this doesn't make a child better, especially exposing him no. to the juvenile make justice system. Anything, no. anyone better, safer, more likely to follow any kinds of laws. No, it's contacts with the criminal legal system, yes, especially for children. Yeah, uh, it's it's not helpful. It's no, simply not helpful. The implications no of criminalizing a young black boy, on top of all of that, yeah. Because justice is not equally administered in the United States. Absolutely not. No. Never has Black been. males disproportionately represent America's imprisoned population. They get incarcerated at five times the rate as white people do. And you'll it's see a, it's racists on the, the internet. Po- yes, you'll see racists on the internet do that 1350 meme. 13% yeah. of the population. Yeah. But they're uh, responsible for 50% of the crime, yada, 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 as Uh if that is a statistic that reflects some kind of natural Therefore, they are more violent, they are more likely to commit crime. Without taking into account anything about the disparities in every part of the criminal legal system, including Uh what areas are policed more than others and why. Yep. It is harrowing. They wouldn't have handcuffed a white kid with a dirt bike. Absolutely not. I don't. Th- no. I. I simply don't believe well, that. Well, a white kid would have been more responsible and wouldn't have had a dirt bike. That could have been an argument they made because they're raised better. Well, and this is the other thing. Like this, this dirt bike culture in Baltimore is predominantly a black thing, and so the dirt bike task force alone yes. has kind of imbalanced racial applications. Mm-hmm. So it's all. It's all a very tangled web of bullshit. It truly is. After he was released from the juvenile detention center, he 
claims that one of the officers, I do not remember which one, told the boy when they were in the car going to booking, you know, if it wasn't for your mom calling my boss, you wouldn't have went to jail. Oh, I bought that. that. I believe that. <laughs> the arrest drew swift nationwide blowback to the point where the next day, disgraced former mayor Sheila Dixon, future subject of the pod, publicly apologized. Running again. Running again Running in 2024, again. y'all. Running again. Can't keep a good bitch down. That's right. No. <laughs> she stood there with, I think, the commissioner and publicly apologized to the family on behalf of Baltimore and the cops, which I'm sure went over oh, very that's well. That's a please don't sue us apology. That's <laughs> a please, 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 please don't sue us. And then please. when you sue, so you can say, oh, well, we acknowledged it and apologized immediately. What else could they possibly ask for? Exactly. Obviously. Lots this of family, money. Yeah. This family immediately considered filing charges against the city and the arresting officers for everything Everything. I just said. But before the trial even occurs, we need to hop over to Lakeisha's point of view. All right. So it's now a week after Junior's been arrested. It made nationwide news. There were uh, rallies that Lakeisha was part of. She participated in interviews for the media. She was part of uh, NAACP came and you name it. She was out there trying to get the word out about what just occurred to her and her son. According to reports, about a week later, there were three plainclothes cops and they were on patrol around the neighborhood again. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to them, <laughs> they spot a black man who they say is suspicious of uh, a drug crime of some sort. And they okay. give chase. <laughs> sure. He runs into a house that's um, in the area. Cops show up to that door. They begin banging on it. They say uh, they were trying to kick into the door. And that's when a commotion breaks out. They have every right because they have exigent circumstances. Hmm. The house that the dude ran into was actually Lakeisha's sister's house. And the gentleman that was running in there was her 18-year-old nephew. After all is said and done, no drugs were found in the house and no drugs were found on anybody. But before that was concluded, Hmm. they enter the home and Lakeisha was there visiting her family. and Yeah, because they were tailing Lakeisha. Right. Why this else would like, they be there? This is this is let's it, be like, more obvious, like, boys. It's too perfect. It Look, really I don't is. know that they were tailing Lakeisha. I don't know that, listener. Of course. I don't know that. Yeah. But she don't know that. In the same way that you if do. she didn't call the supervisor, then that kid wouldn't have gotten arrested and then they wouldn't have gotten all this bad press. Exactly. So something's gotta be done about Lakeisha. And she when they were in the house, she announced herself as the mother of Gerard Mungo. So she claims. I fucking would too. Like you, uh-huh. like you want to start this again? You want more? So that's when she claims that they arrested her. They arrested her under charges that she was interfering with a drug bust. What drug bust? No, Ain't what no drug? drugs. I'm sorry. In, by because she was there. Because they entered the because home. Because she says, "Hey, do you want to? I'm. I'm." 
reasonable suspicion you can't know. arrest somebody on they, that but what is the probable cause that this woman that there was a drug bust and that two that she interfered and three, it's a make a mere it's a mere presence is not interference. It had nothing to do with her publicly criticizing BP. Nothing. Nothing. Well, and I'm guessing they're saying the interference was, hey, I'm the mom of Gerard Mungo Jr. You don't want to do this. Like, you got to get, like, you better get out of here. This is not something that you want to do. And they're saying, well, that's interfering with police business in this super real drug bust that we did not make up to get into this house. Nobody but Lakeisha was arrested that time, too. She was huh, transported weird. weirdly, and Did then the she was transported to the same booking facility that her son was uh, transported to a week prior. And she Aww, was kept cute. there for a few hours. She was then released with no charges being levied against her. They said prosecutors judged that the crime to, was quote abated by arrest. That was it's that's law enforcement speak for well, you scared her. The whole purpose was to scare her. And just have her in a booking facility for a few hours. And so we don't actually have anything. But what we wanted to do was arrest her and scare her to let her know Mm. that we could. This is (laughs) evil. Again, perfectly legal. Within a week, a seven-year-old son and a mother was arrested. And I said that the half-brother, Devon, he was in her sister's house when the police came in. He was 14 at the time. He had a gun pointed at his head. Great. Tangential trauma. Officer safety, (laughs) baby. Yay. Oh, man. So this was all in March 2007. In November of that year, the family filed a personal injury suit against BPD for $40 million in compensatory and punitive damages for false arrest, false imprisonment, assault and battery, irreparable personal injury to Gerard Jr., and pain and suffering for the family. Yeah. Good. Absolutely do that. Oh, yeah. The suit continued in court for years. A nine-year-old Gerard by that point took the stand to testify about what happened that day, further re-traumatizing the boy, I'm sure, making him relive it all. The case was moved out of Baltimore City. It was moved into adjacent Howard County. I wonder why. The civil case was? Yeah. And what? I'm sorry. Which county did they move it to? Howard. Howard. County. Howard. Howard County. One of the richest the counties. Richest and areas one of the whitest counties. A very meticulously designed white flight suburb. Absolutely. With like streets Little named Levitt, after though. like J.R.R. Tolkien references. If that ain't white, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, uh, the city got what it wanted. It moved. The case was moved into adjacent majority white Howard County, where. The black population, I believe, is 12%, whereas Baltimore City is over 60%, if I'm correct yeah, here. Yeah, it's in the mid-60s mm-hmm. mid in the city. County folks, like adjacent county folks, live in terror of the city without necessarily mm-hmm. ever being there. Without not ever saying... going there. No, I have experienced this my whole life. Right. And especially the further you get away from Baltimore, the worse it is. Like yeah. people who it's live like a in Baltimore man. County 15 minutes away who – go to the city twice in their lifetime and they're just like it's just so terrible and i'm like you've never fucking been there no what are you talking about baltimore's great and also like if you think that why don't we invest in changing material conditions for the people who live there 
like in a because they're way. just bad people. They're gross and disgusting, and they get what they deserve. Let's also not get into how many Baltimore City police officers may live in Howard County too. Like they don't even live in absolutely. The there are no there are no uh, residency requirements. Mm-hmm. The cops, according to the suit, were simply following the zero tolerance policies that don't give them much wiggle room for instances like That's Gerard. Right. If you ever want to talk about the difference between equity and equality, this is it. Think about a high school. A no tolerance policy means that kids get in a fight and the kid who protects himself or tries to defend himself. Mm -hmm. No tolerance means that they both get suspended. When you look at, and that is equality, baby. And then mm-hmm. when you look at equity, it says, no, this, this child was defending himself or he was provoked or there were circumstances and then making a decision based on that. No tolerance is uh, ineffective and it benefits it takes no the one. easy way out too. Broken windows policing, a future subject of a probable series on the pod. Oh, we can talk about series. We, we can talk about that shit forever. Hell yeah. The trial itself, I'm sure that you'll be shocked to find out that the police were not found liable for no, what they, they were charged. And the jury awarded the family zero dollars. Well, yeah, they don't Jesus believe Christ. that they were entitled. If you don't even win, though the can't. judge said that arresting the boy was illegal. What they did was illegal. The jury still said no. Yeah. The, there doesn't matter. Uh, again, I'm not a civil attorney with these kinds of you could go um, civil rights or personal injury type things. But in general, the degree to which law enforcement is shielded from uh, liability mm-hmm. in these kinds of cases of brutality, the, the degree to which they're shielded from that is astronomical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, uh, stories, true crime stories abound for that subject alone that we could pick from in future pods. And I did mention, so I have two more uh, brief things I'm going to talk about. Next one is Gerard Sr.'s interaction with cops. Oh, yeah, I didn't, fig- I didn't forget about that. Didn't forget about him. Right. Someone well, because this suit was him. lasting for years, right? And so Civil suits they're- go on forever. Baltimore yeah. City PD is pissed at this family for a long time and they can have the entire family has been arrested. And in Gerard Sr.'s case, he was arrested because he had heard a fight occurring outside of his home one night in 2008. He went outside to break it up. When the cops mm. arrived, they noticed that he had blood on his shirt. And when they asked him what went on, he didn't say anything. He didn't oh. snitch. He didn't he got say arrested. anything? For what? Obstructing an investigation? I guess so. Well, I think also they can or say... Or no, he like, probably well, got involved with assault. If he didn't... Yeah. yeah, because from the cop's perspective, which is stupid, um, or which is an unserious perspective... He but that's didn't, probable cause, baby. He wasn't forthcoming to explain why he had blood on his shirt. And so the presence of blood on his shirt means that he is likely one of the people mm-hmm. who was fighting or assaulting somebody else. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you want to talk to the police if you were in? Why wouldn't you want to talk to the police? If you were, if you didn't do anything wrong, he was booked 
and he was released hours later without any charges. Yep. This is a <sighs> big pattern uh-huh. with this family. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, and it doesn't have to be, like you said, Kevin, when you said that it wasn't clear at all whether uh, Gerard Sr.'s arrest had anything to do to with his that. son's yeah. situation. We uh-huh. don't know. And it's equally probable that it is and it isn't because this kind of thing um, is so common. Mm-hmm. It sure is. So the second thing I was going to bring out was the minor happy ending here. Yes, please do. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, in 2019, when Gerard Jr. was 18, he became the first person in his family to attend college. Oh, Hell man. yeah, Gerard. Yeah, that's awesome. Not only to attend college, but he got a full ride for a basketball scholarship for yeah. Millersville University in Pennsylvania. I don't know if he's there or not still, if he graduated or not. I didn't find much after 2019 where the articles came out in the sun being like, remember when police traumatized this young kid at seven and it made the national news? Well, we're going to make a feel good story about it. He's going to college. Yeah, we're going to bring it all up again and put it all out there. But there's a good thing about (laughs) like, But despite all of what happened to that family, yes, he had good for him. Good for him. And apparently he had mentored uh, children from his elementary school when he was oh. growing older. And really I hope he's doing well right now, to be honest. I truly do. Yeah. No. Good I for do you. Too. Good for you. And honestly, even if things didn't turn out so well for Gerard, you know, no. like you yeah. don't have to be. Yeah. An inspiration. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't have to be an inspiration in order to um, have us feel for you and yes uh no god and no understand that what happened to this child at seven and what happened to his whole family was atrocious and they should have gotten a bunch of money that they didn't get and the reason it's it's not necessarily that it was because of in howard county and with these jurors the the it's laws the surrounding these kinds of brutality mm-hmm. situations are very skewed towards law enforcement it is nearly impossible Like, that's why when people get those awards from, like, the police, like, brutality cases or something, or they win, it's, it's, that's why it's news. Because it so rarely happens. Yeah. Well, and this is a little bit of how I believe, in my opinion, Baltimore Police Department failed the Mungo family. Didn't just fail them. And now everything's chill. And now everything's now everything chilled and everything's as a better. Result, Famously, as a result nothing case, bad has happened with police no, in nothing Baltimore bad since 2007. Nothing They've cleaned up their act, folks. They acknowledge their mistakes. They, they said that was our whoopsie. That's our bad. We're never going to do Sheila something Dixon like that again. Sheila apologized, so like, good enough. And that consent decree, shmashmenshmashmi. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, changed right? everything. Everything is super different and better. <laughs> i think maybe kevin thank you so much her. for uh enraging us you were completely correct i was enraged and i, know I, that I did listen i did a lot of talking and yelling better. i deal with these frustrations constantly and, i need to uh, do what sucks. rocky does i need to go to, from window to window in window. my house and just scream just, just go to every window, every door. If you can get a window, try to make uncomfortable eye contact with somebody because that's what he loves. When nice. he's done his window rounds, because I live in a very small apartment, he comes to me 
makes direct eye contact with me and then screams the longest scream you would you you can imagine coming out of this tiny cat. <laughs> anyway, Edie, you want to liven us up a little bit? Please. Do I ever. The paranormal investigative program Ghost Adventures yes. premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel in 2007 as a documentary-style <laughs> film. Well, there we go. 2007. There's our intersection. There's our here. intersectionality. Man, look at us. <laughs> God damn, I love us. Telepathic triangle Jingle of trust. trust. <laughs> In 2008, the project began airing as an episodic show on the Travel Channel, though it's now on Discovery+. Plus. It's aired oh, it's for on? 24 seasons. Wait, it's still on? It is still on. It is still on. It's still on. I feel like they would have ran out of ghosts. No. Okay. All right. The man behind what is now a ghost-centric media empire is oh. Zach Bagans. Zach okay. Today. Bagans. Oh, Zach. Okay. I know. I've heard this name. I've heard Bagans, but okay. Bagans. He pronounces it Bagans. That's fine. And that's his name. Today, listener, I hope to address a question. Who ghost adventures the ghost adventurer? Who ghost adventures the ghost adventurer? So is he so wait, haunted? Did he die? Is he haunted or is he a ghost? Zach Bagans was born in Washington, D.C. in 1977. <laughs> Okay. okay. And listener, if you don't think he spells his name Z-A-K, then you are not ready. No. You are not ready to adventure hey. with ghosts. And Zach, you are not like ready yak. to adventure with Zach. Exactly. It's like Yak. Zach, yeah. Or like Zach, Gak. Like that slime that or we Gak. used to play with. Oh, I used to love that. Remember Gak? I yeah, remember you Gak. It, you'd make it fart and it was really funny. That's right. Anyway, Real ones me. know how to make Gak fart. <laughs> or blame your farts on Gak. Yeah. Oh, that's probably more likely. Zach was raised in Illinois, but soon headed to the American capital of magic and mysticism, Vegas, baby. Ooh, oh, Vegas. we got more magic. Historically yeah. haunted city. <laughs> so this is Maybe New Orleans might have been better. He's my my second of my like my Vegas guys. My like okay. unhinged Vegas guys that I like. I like David Copperfield. I like Zach Bagans. Uh -huh. I like Chris Angel. There will Got be it. spoopy stories about all three of them. The one right. that I have for Chris Angel, I will not spoil for you, but it is going to be the stupidest or the silliest episode. The silliest that I will episode. ever do. Silliest. That is that's big talk. But for now, Zach Bagans. In the original documentary film, Zach and his co-investigators, Nick and Aaron, go to the Goldfield Hotel in Nevada to look for ghosts with night vision cameras. And wouldn't you know it, they're able to film a full body apparition and get footage of a brick flying off the ground and freaking everyone out big time. <laughs> what luck! And they show the footage to a professional video analyst named Slim Ritchie. That sounds like a, 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 a yep. pioneer sounds in this right. field to me. Uh-huh. Slim Ritchie has a beaded necklace and a handlebar mustache, and he fast talks his way into explaining how the brick flying footage wasn't faked. <laughs> he says okay. something through this brick. 
Okay. That's Amazing good. evidence. Amazing. Right? Like totally. That's, I believe him. That's ghost wow. confirmation. So begins the reign of ghost emperor Zach Bagans. <laughs> okay. The format of ghost adventures is this. Zach, Nick, and Aaron go to haunted places and lock themselves in from dusk till dawn and look around for ghosts with night vision cameras and uh, recording they equipment. Yell at and ghosts, don't they? Bits and bobs, they do yell at ghosts. <laughs> like, they like threaten I mean, you ghosts. have to. Yeah, they like to pick fights with ghosts. They, they dare the ghosts so to like move that. items and they yell at them. And then there's <gasps> other like more legit paranormal investigators uh-huh. that are like, I would never do that to a ghost. If you don't yeah, do that no. to ghosts, <laughs> don't disrespect them. No, I just like I've seen probably four episodes, and every single one um, was one of them yelling at. Air. Yeah, it's like Zach Bagans being like, "Fuck you, nerd!" <laughs> to all no, these it's exactly guys. it. Like, show, like, show yourself, move something. Like, it's not like if you're here, let us know. It's like, get out here. Yeah. <laughs> Move something, noodle dick. (laughs) In almost every episode, Zach and the gang are able to pick up what they claim are ghostly noises on their voice recorders. These are electronic voice phenomena, or EVPs. EVPs are huge in the ghost adventures world. Really are. Edie, what is an EVP? It's an electronic voice phenomena, and mm-hmm. what it really is is, you know, just some some so like when you jumbly mumbly. Voices. It's like some some jumbly mumbly static, and they play that sound over and over in a row on the show with a caption on screen I, with you think, know saying what Zach wants the viewer to believe that the voice yes. is saying. So exactly. it's a very um, it's a very laurel and yanny sort of situation <laughs> of like you it's hear like it blue gold yellow black dress that like is that yeah. Dress? oh yeah yeah dress? yeah that guy's in legal trouble now yes he is yes he is sure is Tried he's accused of killing his wife yes trying. he is <laughs> trying to kill his wife. oh the wife's alive trying. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that well in multiple episodes, Zach appears to be possessed. <laughs> but Zach is okay. not a very good actor or improviser. There's, I, I don't know if I ended up linking it in the show notes. I hope that I did. Um, but there, somebody on YouTube made a whole compilation of Zach's possessions. And they're <laughs> terrible. Oh, He's like, he just gets mad and then sits down and just looks at one of his co-hosts and goes, that wasn't me. <laughs> it's it's Her, great. I just like, I'm, I'm, I'm unimpressed. <laughs> one time he's possessed. He just overacts being super mad and punches a wall and he yells at his co-host, Aaron Goodwin. So like, I don't know if he uses these oh, possessions to kind of like get his, get his angries out. I'm not sure. Get the angries huh. out. Yeah. I just, volatile in 2014 aaron went on a podcast and spilled the beans about how travel channel goons started making the ghost adventures gang beef up their footage by returning to uh locations to act out scenes or re-recording the ghostly voices these evps that they showed the (laughs) audience 
themselves and he's like really pissed about it he's like they're ruining the sanctity of our ghost hunting yada 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 the sanctity. A travel channel. he didn't say sanctity but it was I, very I like bet he did our ghost adventuring was pure until these hollywood elites came in came and in made and us no. re-record our evps the but man. a travel channel spokesperson denied those claims aaron was later said to be fired but he kept being on the show so i guess he wasn't Ghost Adventures okay. has welcomed celebrity guests, including no. Vince Neal of Motley Crue, Dean Haglund, who played the blonde and tall lone gunman on The X-Files. Who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was my favorite one of the lone gunmen on The X-Files. So, you know, the three, like, no. conspiracy tech guys? On the- you guys really need to fucking watch The I X-Files. Really- I know we do. I watched it when I was a kid, so I blacked it out, of course. You're- <laughs> if you miss... <laughs> Is it worth a rewatch in my 30s? Because you're a lesbian, yes. It's got Julian Anderson. Oh, you know what? I Ooh. feel like it's required reading, isn't it? It's required reading, for sure. Re-read for sure. It. I mean, she's hotter than that ever and now. But she really is. How's that possible? Good for her. I don't know. She ages like fine wine. Just Truly. gets hotter. Ghost Adventures has also welcomed Post Malone, Zach Bagans' <laughs> current day girlfriends, Holly Madison, Former oh. girlfriend of Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the late great Loretta Lynn. Really? What? Yeah, what? Loretta Lynn's been on Ghost Adventures. What? Ha- Loretta. 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 We talk. What you doing, girl? <laughs> Coal miner's what? daughter needs some money. No, Loretta. Ghost Adventures has spawned a stable of spinoffs. And now, Kevin, what I'm imagining is like an echo, like when Mist did all the Amityville movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ghost Adventures, Aftershock. Ghost Adventures, where are they now? Ghost Adventures, Serial Killers, Ghost Adventures, Screaming Room, exclamation point. Ghost Adventures, Warren Ghost Adventures, Top 10. Ghost Adventures, House Calls. And the reality competition show, Paranormal Challenge, hosted by Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures. Oh my God. That was exhausting. So many. That was ridiculous. In 2018, Zach released a documentary take that word with a grain of salt called Wait, demon what? house okay. demon house the it's about a house with like 200 <laughs> demons living in it of course which house well listener it might be familiar to you because that's the former gary indiana home that's right i did latoya this ammons her yes, mom right. rosa campbell and latoya's three kids from episode 28 nice right so he made a document Yes. And it's <gasps> I heard like about not, this. I've it's heard like about not this. great and kind of exploitative yeah, of the people of yeah, Gary, Indiana. I have for the movie, Zach thing. bought the house, does his demon hunting thing, like kind of offers money to low income folks in Gary to be like, yeah, that, that house was fucked up. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, he demolishes the house to banish the demons for good. Oh, wow. Oh wow! Instead of you know fixing a it up and offering uh, offering it to someone in need, Zach's about the demons, man. He's about the uh-huh. ghosts. Zach. Zach is also an author. Always well, co-author. He's always one of two authors listed on every book. 
<laughs> his name is big and the one who actually did the work is small. Oh. Because okay. they do the writing and Zach does the story weaving, you know? Oh, I see. His first book has a cumbersome title, Dark World Into the Shadows with the lead investigator of the Ghost Adventures crew. Is it 1812? Because no, 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 that's a Fallout na- Boy song title. <laughs> it's got a colon in it. It's got, you know, yeah, it's a very, it's either like an old timey, like this is the title of a flat earth pamphlet, you know? Yes, that's what yeah. I mean. Like the pamphlets where like the, the half of the pamphlet was the name of the was pamphlet. Was the title of the pamphlet. We really need to return to those days. And Zach Bagans knows it. You know, I just, I would love to be pa- a pamphleter. Well, Zach's also co-authored Darkness Optional, The Holy Truth. This one says it tells the truth about God, the soul, spirits, ghosts, entities, and demons. But I guess to find well, out the truth, good. you got to get the book. Yeah, because no one else has been telling the truth on that. Nobody no. else has. Only Zach Bagans. He's not afraid to tell the truth. He ain't afraid of no ghosts. No. Okay. He's also published, of course, Ghost Hunting for Dummies. But my favorite is his 2015 book, I Am Haunted, colon, Living Life Through the Dead. Shut the hell up. I hate this. I Am Haunted. What the hell is that? I Am Haunted, so colon, stupid. Living Life Through the Dead. Now, I'm going to show you the cover of this book. And I have to stress to you both. This is the real cover. Oh my no. god. Oh my god. When you receive it, can you describe I can what describe you it. To me, oh, it this looks like, looks like it looks like the a mixture between Oh, I know exactly what this is. All right. So, <clears throat> you go to Blockbuster. It's mm-hmm. 19.99. <laughs> yes. You're looking around to try and find a good movie to get. It's Friday night and you go into the horror section. All of the like Bad, bad horror movies that never made theatrical releases, like ones sure. about like, yes. snowmen. That's in this aisle. That's what I It's see. right what there. The it's right there in this aisle. Um, listener, it's Zach who looks – he's wearing the Vegas weirdo costume. You know it's what? all black. He's got uh, going to a, a rosary, concert. a shiny rosary. Oh, yeah, he's going he to great a at a Creed concert. concert. My favorite <laughs> item is the studded belt with yep. a skull belt buckle that is mm-hmm. enormous. I clocked that. My other favorite thing is that he's he's being kind of surrounded by I... Photoshop ghosts. And the one yeah. that is kind of clutching him is definitely the ghost of a hot babe. Absolutely. Oh, it's totally she was a babe. I am haunted, living life through the dead. <laughs> no, just to me, like if anybody has Kindle Unlimited, you know all of the self-published books under the quote-unquote romance section are just basically smut. And this looks like one of the smut covers. Nice. Oh, it's very yeah. that. It's very – Not to um, diminish anybody. Chuck Tingle. Very yeah. Chuck Tingle. They, they, like, I fucked the Mothman and all yes, I got was that is exactly what I mean. T-Rex it's like, orgy. It's Jason. Yeah, it's like fan fiction. <laughs> Amazing. Now, Kevin. Yeah. Miss. What? You had to know that at some point I would need to tell you 
about Zach's album. No, is it Creed covers? Did he record music with EVPs? Yes, he did, Kevin. Yes! Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Zach released the album Necrofusion. Ooh, yes. Dead Fusion? You know, Necrofusion. All right. In 2012 with Belgian electronic musician Praga Khan. According to Zach, each of the 11 tracks on the album tells the story of a departed soul who hasn't yet crossed over. But that's not all. As Kevin so astutely guessed, each song (laughs) also includes EVPs from each spirit that Zach himself has been able to capture for real, he promises. I want to talk about one song on the album. And this is the song that Zach and his team pushed the most when they were sending out press releases for oh, this God. album in 2012. God, okay. please. It's called Room 20. The song is about the spirit of David Strickland. David was an actor who was becoming known in the late 90s for being on the NBC sitcom Suddenly Susan, starring okay. Brooke Shields. Yeah. David also struggled with mental health and addiction. And in 1999, while the show was going on, uh, David died by suicide in room 20 of the Oasis Motel in Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, okay. I heard about him. Yep. Then in 2012, for this dick fuck album, Zach says he spent hours in that hotel room trying to speak with David's departed soul. And here's how Zach describes the experience. Now, this is not how Zach's voice sounds, but this is how the soul of Zach's voice (laughs) sounds. Go for it. After hours of recording sessions, I felt a sudden intense presence of energy, and I knew I was not alone. I began communication with mind-blowing responses. One of the responses I got was when I said hello to David and a male voice who I believe was his replied, Hi, Zach. I asked if he could hear me and he said, yeah. I asked him if he knew where he was and he told me the name of the hotel, Oasis. This was one of the most powerful spirit communication sessions I have ever conducted. I bet it was, Zach. Okay. it was. You sure you're not just exploiting... A mentally ill man. Now you want to hear some of this piece, right? This piece of, course. of music. <laughs> this piece of music. <laughs> I had to go Tatiana on you and say, "Oh yes, this, this, this piece. piece." Oh, it's horrible. Who died in this room? Can you say your name? calling it a song what kind of like a situation would that be an appropriate song for can't dance to it i don't know like a A wedding a funeral a quinceanera a retirement party i can like what isn't the song appropriate for 
My favorite is that it's so 2012. It's very like whoa, 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 whoa. dubstep. Yep. Dubstep. That's dubstep. what it is. Yes. Uh, well, listener, if you like Necrofusion, I've got great news. You can buy a physical CD of it at Zach Bagans's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. You, you can buy. You definitely can buy a physical CD uh, <laughs> in person or online at the Haunted Museum's website. Yeah. Of course, Zach's got a museum, and of course, he had to monetize every bit of the process that he could. In 2016, he aired a show on the Travel Channel called Deadly Possessions. Double entendre. Yeah. Possessions and also possessions. Physical possessions and ghostly possessions. Sure. On that show, Zach went all around looking for spooky items for his plans museum. The museum opened to the public in late 2017. Among the creepy curios, Bella Lugosi's mirror that Zach says is haunted, uh, Jack Kevorkian's van, which is legitimately a very cool thing to uh that's a very cool piece of of history to have as well as the transaxle salvaged from D- james dean's porsche that he was driving when he died the car so you know was nicknamed the little bastard oh oh god what? and if you want to more just... if you want to know more about the purported stories behind some of these items without going to vegas to pay for a two-hour tour of the museum no thank you please feel free to watch anthology series the haunted museum on discovery plus oh boy last year zach renewed his contract with discovery plus for another three years under which contract Zach will produce and star in over 100 hours of content for the platform through 2025. So Zach's ghost adventuring days continue relentlessly onward. Relentlessly. It's a little bit about ghost adventurer Zach Bagans. Yeah, I, I totally understand that you can have a career for this long doing ghost hunting because people die every day. That's right. Always new ghosts. Always, Always new ghosts. New... Always new stories to be told by them. New idiots who Always stupidly die. New rubes. And like every, I was in a hotel for work a couple months ago and I caught, Back. I think I texted y'all about this. I caught an episode yes. of mm-hmm. uh, Ghost Adventures House Calls. And the best <laughs> thing about that is um, Aaron and another co-host go to houses that residents have like claimed were haunted and Zach is chilling at home telling <laughs> them what to do. It is the laziest oh, shit that, I have ever fucking seen. And honestly, Ghost Adventures is lazy. He was I just like, I'm making the it. easiest money I've ever <laughs> yeah, made. Yeah, he's like on I kind of respect just, it. <laughs> like doing Zoom calls with them. All right, I'm it's here the for best. it. I support this. It's yeah, the no, fucking best. Like, it's shitty, whatever. But, like, part of me is just, like, make your money. <laughs> Zach <laughs> makes his money. I'm not going to lie. If somebody was like, hey, you just got to, like, make a Zoom call and you can make all this money for a TV show, I'd be like, I'm, I'm totally I, I'm, for that. I just need to show you, as we finish, just the the Wikipedia image for Zach Bagans. I, I simply must because it's just when I say Vegas weirdo, like rich Vegas weirdo, so serious, 
so self-important. Oh my god. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, it's sir. Uh, he's he okay. wishes. All I'm looking at here is someone who wishes. He wishes. It's very it's very um like mid 2000s pickup artist. Like you've got to make sure that you're peacocking. You've got to yeah, have a hat. Yeah. Gavin DeGraw. I was just thinking Gavin DeGraw. Yes. Yeah. It is, oh my yeah, God, sorry. Gavin DeGraw. But Gavin like a goth DeGraw. Gavin DeGraw. Yeah. Like yes. He's, Gavin DeGraw. He's got to have oversized glasses that I I can't tell if there's lenses in them. There yeah, are lenses because you can tell in the left side, but I bet oh, you. Oh, I see. I see. I see. But yes. He also looks airbrushed. Oh, he's airbrushed to shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, got a, he's got a snaggly Bagans, beard hair I wish I could take care of. Anyway. Well, I appreciate this story, sure. this very, very important groundbreaking story about this man, because I feel like he doesn't do enough to promote himself. And so <laughs> I'm glad you brought it to my attention. He's just not out there, you know? He's not out he's and just about. Not, he's not doing anything. Zach, you keep doing what you're doing, man. Make that cheddar. Yeah, right? It's working for him. Somehow. Right. Well, um, Miss, as the audience member audience. today, how did you mm-hmm. take both of our stories? Well, Kevin, I'm sure it's clear that you infuriated me. Yes, and I, um, I was very much looking forward to being uplifted during our true crime stories. So thanks for that. That was your first I'm just glad that just... nothing like that has ever happened since then. Never. No, no. And Edie, I would just love, I just love learning more about these shitheads. I think it's great. <laughs> this little series you have going on. <laughs> Look, I, there's. They're thoroughly I entertaining. Love, I love spooky stuff and I love kitschy stuff. Yeah. And these Vegas weirdos yeah. just hit that sweet spot for me. Yeah. They sure do. Always a show. Now showman. I want to look up to see what crimes Siegfried and or Roy have committed so I can get in there. Well, anyway. um, if if Miss, if people yeah. wanted to find us online to tell us which of their favorite white tigers uh, Siegfried <laughs> and Roy had, where could they do that? Oh, you could hit us up on Instagram at Creepy Inquiries Pod. Um, you could hit, you could send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. And, uh, if you're ever interested in our sources, head over to creepyinquiriespod.com. I post them every week. And then, uh, if you have a minute and you're feeling generous, please head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening today and give us a cute little rate and review. Five stars or I'm arresting you. I'm arresting your mom. I'm arresting your dad. Oh, God. This but is a I'm very real apologize for it afterwards. <laughs> so all good. Everything's good. Yeah. But yeah, we really appreciate any any rate of review you can give us. It helps us out. Listener, thank you so much for joining us for episode 91, the Joel Gray aged episode. Oh, oh. wonderful. The MC from the Cabaret movie. Yes, and until next time, <laughs> 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 <laughs>